Well, that's another unfortunate result for the Pittsburgh Penguins with this one. 3-2 loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. For today's episode, we're going to get into everything that transpired in that game from that awful non-call in overtime that involved Brian Russ and Seth Jarvis to the awful power play to a six-on-five goal somehow in this economy to Trish and Jari's gaff on the second goal. That's all coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to a late Tuesday night episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You're going to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at Elmer's for Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. Again, as you all can see, I am in the office of the upstairs part of my Richmond house, and we are T minus less than 48 hours away from officially moving to the Steel City. Um, this was the last Penguins game that I have to fully recap here down in Richmond, but Hurricanes three, Penguins two, a game that the Penguins could have had in overtime. They were kind of lucky to get a point, but um, they kept their playoff spot, but they just were not able to get over the hump as they dropped this one three to two in overtime. I got the score right. I just didn't get the result right. So I'll get half credit, but next time I do one of those predictions on a crossover, I'm going to pick the Penguins to lose uh, to say the least. But um, to start off this episode, you know, we got to start with what happened in overtime. So 2-2 game, a little over a minute or a couple of minutes into overtime. And Brian Rust has the puck. And, you know, Rust has struggled a lot this season, definitely playing some of the worst hockey I think I've ever seen him play, to be honest with you. And he just comes in there and come, he comes into the offensive zone decides to button hook back and then goes directly to the boards for some reason where there's other two other penguins just sitting, sitting there. And I'm like, that's the play that you're making. I just really did not understand it. And yes, what Seth Jarvis did, that is textbook boarding should have been called. You saw the penguins bench furious. You saw Mike Sullivan do a beautiful Bruce Boudreaux impression right there. That is a penalty uh, 100 out of 100 times. If you don't think that is a penalty, get your eyes checked, stop being biased towards your team to Carolina fans. Mostly. Um, I think even an objective hockey observer could see that that was a penalty. Um, wasn't called uh, Carolina. The, the hurricanes go back the other way two on zero. the penguins lose. But the thing was, yes, it was a penalty. And yes, the bench was furious, but why did all of your controllers just disconnect? Why is Brian rush just like kind of standing there? Why is Jeff Petrie kind of going after Seth Jarvis in that situation? Jeff Carter, he's also nowhere near the play. He's like 10 leagues behind um, both Carolina players that came into the offensive zone on a two and you got to keep playing in that situation. That is just inexcusable by the penguins to do that. I'm sorry. Like you can be mad at the officials all you want. Trust me. I was a little miffed as well, just because NHL officiating, let's face it, it stinks. Like, I don't know what I've said that on almost probably every episode that I've recorded uh, for this show. I've been doing the show for what, three years, over three years now at this point. NHL officiating is a tire fire. Sometimes you're going to get the benefit of the doubt with some calls. Sometimes you're not. That's life in the NHL. The Penguins got boned tonight. Yeah, you can be upset, but you got to keep playing in that situation. If they, 
actually keep skating there, the Hurricanes probably don't score. So, you know, I, I, I'm upset that the, that the officials missed that call, but I'm also just as upset, if not more upset, the Penguins just their controllers disconnected. Like you're playing NHL 22, and you give up a goal with like just less than a few with just a few seconds left in overtime when you're playing online versus <laughs> or like eight or like hut or something like that. Um, just a really stupid sequence to end the overtime session. I thought the Penguins were the better team in the third period. Um, and honestly, the overtime period before uh, before that chance, both teams were kind of just playing keep away with the puck. There really wasn't much going on overall until that play. And then, you know, first team gets a chance. It goes in. And again, it's unfortunate that the team could not get the result in this one. But again, you got to keep playing to the whistle. and. You can't be, you know, being babies and looking towards the refs all the time for calls and all that. And because, and, and again, I'll say this for the fifth time, you're allowed to be upset, but you got to keep playing. That's the reality of the situation. And again, you know, Brian Rust, yeah, he's really struggled this season. He is not living up to his contract right now. I don't think that's um, bad to say or anything. And just the play that he made to even get over to that situation to begin with, really stupid. In my opinion, I don't know why he's even skating the puck over to the board. It's just a really um, brain dead play, I thought overall. So those are my main thoughts on the overtime, about um, the, the overtime situation. It was again, was it a very awful way to lose? Yes. Have I moved on? Also, yes. The team got a point. They scored a six on five goal, which they have not done this season so far. They believe they only scored one or two six on five goals last season. This is a team that struggles a lot in that situation. So I honestly will consider that a win for the Penguins tonight. I'm going to touch on that a little later on um, in this episode, but yeah, just fortunate ending. And it was a really great game to watch outside of that, just tire fire. And I actually did see a, a funny tweet. I think this came from a, a Hurricanes reporter where it was like the team that is victimized in that situation, they will always say that's a penalty while the team that committed the, committed the infraction would be like, well, his body wasn't all the way turned, which you know, it was, I don't know how you can argue against that. Brian Russ whole entire body was facing the boards and he went head first into it. That is a boarding call earlier this year. Brandon Tanev got a misconduct for that exact call. There is just, there is no inconsistency when it comes to league officiating. There isn't like there, there, there has never been any consistency with the officiating in this league. It's get it gets worse every season. And people talk about it, especially in the playoffs and nothing gets fixed. So I'm kind of just tired of talking about it at this point. You know, if I was 17 or 18, I probably would have blew a gasket, but I'm 25 now. I do a podcast and I try to be as objective as I can. And I just, you know, it's just not worth for me just getting enraged about it. They got a point. They're still in a playoff spot. Um, They have stuff to fix. Yes. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we still got the loser point. Out of that, but still a lot more to get to for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. In case you all and haven't noticed, um, so one of the other people on the restream account is actually using it right now to record their episodes. So I'm recording this via Zoom, um, so I will not have my wonderful bet online little promo for you all. Just but you know, pretend that it is there. Um, and also, I, I cannot wait to get my own streamer account. That is what we are going to be getting. Um, sometime next year. But before we get to our next segment, which I'll be talking about the game as a whole, who stood out to me and all that, BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at betonline.net. 
And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those up and online as well. We're always the fastest, easiest way to get your betting fix. You can head to the website today or use your phone to learn more. That has been online where the game starts. All right, we're back in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Enlarso Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So let's get into just the overall performance uh, from the Penguins tonight. If I just move my chair a little bit here. Nope. There we go. There we go. That's, I think I was just like not centered as much for the video, at least. Don't know what, I guess it's just a little different on Zoom. Um, overall, I thought the Penguins, first period, mostly okay. Second period, not so good. Third period, they really took it to Carolina. And that one, I thought those first 10 minutes, they were getting some glorious chances, kind of went down a little bit during those five, those last five minutes, but then the Penguins were able to get a few more good chances after that. And then they were, get, they were able to get their first six on five goal of the season. Really nice job for the Penguins to set that up. And it's funny, they're able to get a six on five goal and score on that man advantage, but with five on four and all that other stuff with their actual power play, it's just an absolute tire fire. Please explain that to me like I'm five, and I'll try my best to explain it um, to you all a little later on this episode because the power play is just a dumpster fire um, right now. But, you know, the Penguins, they didn't rush any of their shots once they got in the zone and they set it up with the six on five. There were a couple of times where I thought they were going to rip one with when Malkin was at the point, but he's able to give it off to the right uh, half boards, gets it back to Petrie. He rips it. Nice deflection from Gensel to get that past um, Coochie, as I'm calling the Hurricanes netminder, and also great job from Gensel to just box out Brent Burns. He made Burns um, just his, you know, uh, I'm not going to say that word on this podcast. I think you all will know where I'm going. His personal, you know what. And uh, it just Burns had no chance of just getting in the way of Gensel. Really nice deflection, able to tie the game with 50 seconds left. Um, you know, that is a goal scorer's goal. And, you know, who else but Jake? With that situation, Sidney Crosby was able to open the scoring, gets his 12th of the season. Really nice job, I thought, from P.O. Joseph to spring Gensel in the offensive zone, who was able then to get it to Crosby, who got it past Cucci. Um, just, you know, that breakout pass from P.O. was awesome. You know, he's really starting to feel it. I think right now he's playing some of his finest hockey of the season. Um, definitely looking like he belongs in, you know, Gensel Crosby. Their connection is money. At this point, overall, underlying numbers-wise, the Hurricanes led the way at 5-on-5 with 52% of the shot attempts, with the Penguins led the way in scoring chances with 63%. High danger, 64% of those chances that they actually held the Hurricanes to only one high danger chance in the third period at 5v5. Very nice job defending-wise for the Penguins. And then with expected goals, the Penguins had 51.2% of those. If you go to all situations, the Hurricanes, they led the way in... Uh, shot attempts with 55% of those, but the Penguins led in scoring chances, 59%. They also led in high danger chances, 17 to 12, but the Hurricanes did lead in expected goals, 52% to 47%. So this game, you know, it was dominated in spurts by both teams. I thought the Penguins for the first 13 to 15 minutes of the first period, they were a better team. After that, I think the Hurricanes were the better team from the five-minute minute, from about five minute mark of the first period through the entire second period. And then the third period, I thought the Penguins were the better team throughout that period before overtime was just a wash until the Hurricanes got their lone chance and they were able to score on that. So, you know, kind of a, kind of what I would expect, you know, you're not really going to dominate a team like the Hurricanes 
um, for a full 60 minutes, they're going to get their chances. The Penguins are going to get their chances. It's all a matter of, you know, you know, who, who can finish the last one. And unfortunately it was Carolina's, but, you know, I thought Crosby and Gensel looked great again. POJ was really good. Um, a couple of players that, you know, did stand out to me in a negative way. I thought Tristan was mostly okay, but that second goal just can't go in. Um, the Penguins kind of got a, a bit, a little bit of an unlucky bounce. I thought on that second goal late in the second period, it went off. I believe it was, was it Doomland's skate in the neutral zone goes right to Aho. He rips the shot. Should have easily been a, a glove save by Tristan. Don't know how it wasn't. And, you know, he just wasn't able to, you know, fully grip on it. And then the puck goes behind the net. Stechnikov comes and gets it. And Jari is just way too late to react to getting to the other side of the post. Stechnikov has an easy wraparound for a 2-1 lead. That one can't go in. It was just, I think, a total brain fart from Tristan. Uh, just not good enough for me. You know, he otherwise he played a really good game, made some nice saves, had a couple nice saves on the two-on-ones, at least when the Penguins power play was just absolutely awful. But you know, other 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 than that, and other than a couple other good saves, I, I just did not like the play that he had on the second goal. That's just, you know, there's too many gaffes like that sometimes in his game. He just really needs to, I think, get those out of there, you know, if he really wants to be more consistent in the league. Other negatives wise, I think Brian Dumas was a little bit soft in that first goal that the Hurricanes scored to tie it in the second period. And that, that goal felt like it was coming for a while. The Hurricanes were really rationing up the pressure there um, on the Penguins. You know, Jari, really no chance on him, but Dumoulin just kind of standing there, not really doing much. I feel like he needs to have a little bit more of an active stick, if you ask me. Um, those are the main negatives that I kind of point out tonight. Um, don't know why Jeff Carter is getting meaning, meaningful ice time late in the third period and in overtime. Also, honestly, don't know why he's getting meaningful ice time at all right now, considering how bad he is. The third line continues to be an absolute black hole. I could give you all numbers. They're right out there for you all to see on natural stat trick, um, money puck, wherever, whatever site you want to use involving hockey. Um, it's bad. You can switch out wingers all you want. As long as Carter is your third line center, it's going to be bad. And I think not enough people are talking about how awful he's been for most of the season. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not pretty. Um, anytime that line is on the ice, they're not getting any chances. They're defending the entire time. He that line is where offense goes to die. And if there's one area that this team really needs to upgrade in, I do think it is that third line. The fourth line, I think, is playing a lot better right now, especially after Teddy Bluger turned. The, the Malkin line's been great. The Crosby line's been great since Raquel went up there. But that third line is an absolute joke. And um, even tonight, just not good enough. And honestly, you know what? I am going to give you the numbers uh, for, for, for tonight. Um, the it was McGinn, Carter, Kapanen. They actually had, they were even in, in shot attempts, 11 to 10, but, ex, you know, expected goals, actually not too bad either. Scoring chances were okay, but, you know, still. It's, you know, and for actual expected goals, 0.41 expected goals for when they were on the ice compared to, if you look at the Crosby line, 1.09. The Zucker Malkin, the Zucker Malkin Russ line was 0.61. The third line was a bit better than the Paling Bluger Archibald. That one actually got caved in tonight, funny enough. But and that third line, it really is just not doing enough right now. And it's it's tough to watch. So 
Um, th that, that, those are, I think, are my main, most of my main negatives. I'm going to spend the entire third segment going over the power play and what the heck is wrong with it and all that. But, you know, overall, I thought it was mostly a fine performance from this team. They got outplayed in spurts. They outplayed the opposition in other spurts. You know, come when it comes down to a coin flipping overtime, you win some and you lose some. They got the point. And, you know, I think that should be, at least that should be celebrated a little bit. You know, I know it's not good to start off the homestand with one out of four points. They could still got three more games. They got Vegas coming in on Thursday. Got St. Louis coming in after that. They have another home game after that as well. But, you know, they got to they gotta keep, bank, bank, keep banking points. You know, the Islanders lost tonight, which was big. Uh, the Flyers actually beat them, funny enough. The Capitals, you know, they could win tonight. They're out in Vancouver. Last I checked, they were up 2 nothing with two Ovechkin goals. But, you know, yeah, they got to keep banking points. Uh, in those situations. Um, but yeah, that wraps up this second segment of this recap episode coming up after coming up after this commercial break, excuse me, we're going to get into the power play and just, you know, why it continues to be absolute mud. So stick around for that coming up right after this commercial break. All right. I'm back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at Elmer's for Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So a couple times tonight, the Penguins were able to get power plays. And no, I think I'm just at the point now where they should just decline them. They're not making any changes with the, you know, with the, what's the word I'm looking for here? With the deployment on his suicide, same five players the last few games with Petrie up there. They're not putting Ricard Raquel up there for some reason, even though he has a booming shot and has a great first, has a great pass in the offensive zone. They're continuing to have Petrie quarterback. And then, yeah, I know Latang was out tonight, so that makes sense. But still, <clears throat> why is why is Raquel just not up there? I, I don't really understand. And even when Latang probably comes back on Thursday because he was out with an illness, it's probably just a little stomach bug. You know, it's probably going to be the same deployment that you see, and <clears throat> they're not going to be making any adjustments. And <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I understand a lot of blame should be at Todd Reardon's seat because he is the one that runs this unit, but also Mike Sullivan does have a hand in this as well. He can change up that deployment whenever he wants. He has a hand in this as well. And honestly, I think Jesse Marshall of the Athletic summed up the power play even better than I ever could. He he said tonight. It's reactive in everything they do. The system is stale. Opposing penalty killers know exactly what they will be facing from breakouts to the offensive zone. Lack of creativity is directly tied to their best players consistently being bullied to the perimeter of the ice. Jesse, that is 1,000% accurate. And I've been seeing that almost every time they come onto the ice. Their best players, three surefire Hall of Famers, are not getting to the prime scoring areas, and they're being pushed to the perimeter where... That's a low danger area. You're not going to get any good scoring chances from that spot. Other same issues um, occurred tonight. They're still going backwards to go forwards. You go into the zone. You get one shot on net. It goes back the other way. Even when it sometimes goes in the offensive zone, they make a pass. It gets intercepted. You're going back to the other way for two-on-ones. Evgeny Malkin had a couple brutal passes in the offensive zone that led to a couple chances that Tristan Jari had to <clears throat> that he had to save, excuse me, it's just an awful unit right now. And I know I get paid to do this podcast to give you the best analysis that I have when it comes to this power play. I'm honestly running out of things to say when it comes to how awful this unit is. It sucks. It flat out sucks. <laughs> 
Like, I don't know how much more clear I have to be than that. Nothing about it is good. This is probably the worst Penguin power play I have ever seen in the Sydney Crosby of Guinea Malkin Chris Tank era. It is unacceptable for the unit with that much talent. Even outside of those things with Jake Densel, Brian Russ, Ricardo Raquel, Jeff Petrie, unacceptable for a unit like that to be that bad. Honestly, at this point, I would start throwing out the second unit to start the power plays to see if they can get anything going and then putting out the first unit, you know, and see if they want to start scoring in that situation. But it is costing the Penguins numerous chances to take over games. It's killing momentum for them. Everything about it is gross. As Jesse said, it's stale. The best players are being forced to the, to the perimeter of the ice. And uh, another great thing that he said as well, the, the opposition's penalty kill, they know exactly what is coming every single time. It's so easy to game plan for. And honestly, I hate saying this, and comparing sports, it's honestly like preparing for the Steelers offensive scheme. And you all know, if you are Steelers fans that listen to my show, you go listen to Chris Carter blocked on the Steelers, who does a great job. You know, Matt Canada is doing a horrible job over there with his scheme. And even though Kenny Pickett's showing some strides each week, <clears throat> you saw that Colts player on Monday Night Football, if you guys were watching that game, saying, it's the same damn place. Well, I think other penalty killers are saying right now, it's the same thing every time with the Penguins penalty kill, with the Penguins power play deployment and with the with the way they're playing on that unit it stinks like i'm like and they gotta make some changes with it because again it is killing them right now so um i know i was fired up about that i apologize if hopefully y'all didn't turn tune me out because then i didn't want to turn into a much more more of a fan or anything but man that unit just sucks the life out of you it, it really does because of how awful it truly is. But <clears throat> I honestly think that will probably do it for this episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. I don't really think I missed anything from this game. It was a lot of fun to watch. I would love to see these two teams play in a playoff series. They got the point, just stinks how the game ended. And, you know, the top line continued to play well. I thought the Malkin line created some good chances. The fourth line was fine. The third line still needs work. And then the power play, of course, continued to just be a joke. But I also will say the penalty kill... You know, almost basically, I think they're at 20 for 20 right now since we would come back on November 15th, two weeks ago. The PK is back in the top 10 league-wide. Um, it is humming right now, to say the least. So again, that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I apologize I was not on the Restream account for this one. I will have my intro from the Restream account whenever um, the person that's recording right now finishes. But for this episode, you will be hearing it via Zoom audio and via a Zoom video. So again, That'll do it for this one. Hope you all enjoyed listening to it. I'll be back with another episode on Wednesday to preview that game against the Vegas Golden Knights. And then Thursday, I'll be coming to you live from Pittsburgh, either from my new house or from the hotel room that we'll be staying in that night before I officially fully move into my house on Friday. So again, thank you all so much for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your Tuesday. I will talk with you all on Wednesday.